Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Uh, again, great to have all of you here this morning. Clearly, patience is not one of uh, Will Ferrell's strong suits, and chances are he's not the only one who's ever felt that way. Maybe not just in the coffee line, but I think all of us struggle with waiting. Amen? All right, all of us struggle with waiting. And when we don't wait well, things don't go well in our lives. Really, for anything, when's the last time that you heard anybody just praise God for the sake that they had to wait for something, right? Just to rejoice in waiting. That's not something that all of us do uh, a lot. In our world, waiting is something to be avoided at all costs. We don't want anything to do with it. How many of you, just by a show of hands, it's church, so don't lie. How many of you have been at the grocery store and you're getting ready to check out and you look at the lines and you perfectly... You, uh, you know, intentionally choose the one that is shorter, that has the least amount of people, right? How, about, how many of you actually have counted the number of items that the people have in front of you to see? Is this that? Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. How many of you were sitting at a stoplight at a red light, right? And the car in front of you, the light turns green, and you have about 1.2 seconds of patience for that person. But when it's you, you're like, geez, lay off. It just turned green, right? But when it's somebody else in front of you, right, you're it takes every out of patience, right? I've been there. Just go already, right? Because really, my life needs two more seconds. It's really going to save me a lot of time. How about how many of you in the computer world, whether you have a, a Mac or a Windows or whatever you have, that little spinning ball that comes up when your computer freezes up? You're like, I am wasting precious moments of my life, right? We want everything now. And the, the, the danger is also is that we live in a world, we live in a culture that kind of feeds to us that we should have things our way in our time and, and that we shouldn't have to wait for anything, essentially. Not that we live in a, a culture of immediacy, almost, of wanting things now, email and text on our phones and music and movies on demand. If something's buffering on my Netflix, I'm like, oh my word, why is this taking so long? Where 10 years ago, that would I would drive to a, a movie store? What's a movie store, right? There is still one in Des Moines, uh, by the way. High-speed internet, fast food, the list goes on and on and on. It's just talking about all that kind of exhausts me a little bit. And then along comes, right in the middle of that world, Advent. Advent, this season of waiting, this season of the church year that we're entering in. If you're new to the Christian faith or specifically new to kind of a, a traditional way of doing church, we celebrate these seasons of the church year that we do here at Hope as Lutherans. Advent is these four weeks that are leading up to Christmas. Advent is essentially an invitation to wait. And that's why you see a few things up on the stage that are a little different uh, during this season of Advent. The first is an Advent wreath. A lot of you maybe do these, and if, if you don't, I would encourage you to as a family. It's a great way to uh, remember what this season, what Christmas is all about. And so each week we light a different uh, candle until Christmas where we actually light the big center candle, the white candle, which is the Christ candle. And essentially we're learning to wait, that not all the candles get lit at once, but every week we light another one. Another way of looking at that is, you know, we have an awesome creative team here at Hope Des Moines, and they've kind of started this collaborative painting that's gradually going to get put together. So they, they started this last night, and essentially they're going to put these four words that correspond with the four candles of the Advent wreath. So hope, peace, love, 
and joy, and they're going to come around in this collaborative painting, and each week they'll fill in another one for us, and then when we get to Christmas Eve, so a little incentive uh, to come to Christmas Eve services here, then as we have live painting during that worship, they will tie all of that together that you've seen uh, over the week. So a nice way to anticipate the coming of Christ. Advent, literally it comes from this Latin word, which, which is adventus. Everybody say adventus. Don't you just sound smarter by speaking Latin? I don't know, I do, right? Adventus literally means coming or arrival. And so years before Jesus came as a baby, as an infant, waiting for the coming of Christ was much longer than four weeks. It was much longer than waiting in line for your coffee at Starbucks. It was centuries of longing, of patience, of prayer by God's people, the Israelites, The the good chunk of the Bible that you hold in your hands this morning, three-fourths of the Bible, which is the Old Testament. The New Testament is very short, relatively, uh, to the Old Testament, centuries of waiting. Essentially, the story of us, the story of God's people, is a story of waiting. And yet we live in a culture of immediacy, so you can see how this can kind of clash together. In that Bible that you hold this morning, there are over 400 prophecies, scriptures that speak of the arrival of this Messiah to come, including the one that you heard read this morning, as we're going to be kind of digging into that today. Isaiah chapter 7. I put it up on the screen. Let's read this together. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, that prophecy was given by the prophet Isaiah, but literally thousands of years between the prophecy and the fulfillment of that desire. Thousands of years, and that's why Advent is a season of learning to wait, and I believe to rediscover the lost art of longing for anything, to have your heart settle, to not have instant gratification all the time, and to see the effect of your heart as it learns to wait in stillness and silence to long for something. And in that sense, it is extremely countercultural. And yet, I don't think it could be any more relevant because all of us, if you think about it, as we change seasons and different obstacles come into our path and we face different difficulties and joys and sorrows in our lives, all of us will spend a majority of our days waiting for something. It might be big, it might be small, but all of us are waiting for something. I was thinking about it uh, this week in terms of how long you've been waiting things. For those of you that are Cyclone fans, you've been waiting for a bowl game for a long time. And Christmas came early this year, right? Congratulations. Bah humbug. That's right, right? But in a deeper sense, some of you are waiting and you're in the middle of nine months of waiting because you've got a little bundle of joy that's going to make its appearance here pretty soon. Maybe you're waiting for healing. Maybe you're waiting for a different job. Maybe you're waiting for any job at all so that you can start paying the bills again. Maybe you're waiting for your marriage to rediscover the passion and the fire that it had at once. Maybe you're waiting, counting down the days to your retirement. Maybe you're waiting for companionship. Maybe you're just longing to share life with someone and find that special someone. After the year that it's been in our nation, I can't tell you how many people that I've uh, just had this feeling and that I've actually heard say, including myself, how long is it until Jesus comes back again? Like, wow. You know, I saw, I was driving behind a car the other day and, you know, the campaign stickers for 2016. Have you seen the one that says Giant Meteor? Giant Meteor 2016, right? 
Like, that's the attitude that people have. I think we're just weary, and we're like, I'm just ready for the thing to be done already. Can we just be done with this world? But as followers of Jesus, we don't wallow in depression and in the darkness. We have a hope. And so even if that's what you're waiting for, even in the midst of this year that it's been, we still have hope. Earthquakes, shooting, uh, politics dividing us, more sexual abuse in the news from prominent, popular people that just breaks our hearts for the victims. We're all waiting for it to end. The Christian life is one of waiting, which I believe this year more than any in the darkness of the world that we live in, Advent is more powerful than ever. We need it. It's a reminder that light has invaded the darkness, that Jesus has come, and hope is here in the middle of the darkness. We're not waiting around someday saying, oh, can we just have a giant meteor blow up the earth so we can just be done with this already? No, hope is here. Light has invaded the darkness. Jesus is changing lives. And so we take great hope in that this Advent season, but we also remember that Jesus is coming back again as well. So don't miss the point of Advent. Don't be so distracted this Christmas season and get so busy that you miss the most important thing that is right in front of you. And you know what that is on Christmas, but oftentimes we forget that in real life as well. It reminds me of a story of a couple years uh, back. You know, how many, speaking of waiting, how many of you just cannot wait for the new Star Wars movie to come out? Anybody excited about that? Okay, three of you. So there is this movie trilogy that came out. It happens in the stars, okay? And there's this guy, I'm just kidding, right? A lot of you have heard of it, right? A lot of you are excited for Star Wars. I remember a couple years ago when the last one came out, The Force Awakens, which was the first one since the 80s, right? So it's been a long time of waiting, and I finally made it to the theater by myself, and the theater uh, was packed. I went to that, the one that you can order food and sit in the lounge chair. I'm like, this is a glimpse of heaven. Uh, this is what it's going to be like. Movies all day long and food, a buffet and everything, um, and all of that. And you could just sense the anticipation, the excitement for this movie, and like people were there early. Like, I, there was one seat left that I had to find. Like, who comes early to a movie? I'm like, this is a big deal. And so everybody's there, and they're hanging out. And I remember thinking, what if people had this much anticipation for Jesus? Not just Star Wars. Anyway, we're about 15 minutes into the movie, and the, the theater is dark. And all of a sudden, I hear behind me, like, oh, no, you got to be kidding me. You know, and it wasn't one of those just, you know, once in a kind of pig. It was like the locomotive kind of snoring. Some of you live with this, right? It was the locomotive kind of snoring. It was like chugga, chugga, chugga. You know, like that sort of thing, just continuous. Like it was, inter I see good people around me getting uncomfortable. Like every ounce of me wanted to reach behind me and just, I just kind of looked behind me and this guy kind of had his jacket up like that. I'm like, that is a really, movies are not cheap. That's a $12 nap that you just bought right there, right? And every ounce of me wanted to turn around and look behind me and just grab this guy by the shoulders and say, dude, you're missing it. You've been waiting since the 80s for this, right? It's the Force Awakens. You are missing it. And now you're sleeping through it. I don't want you to sleep through Advent. I don't want you to miss the most important thing that is right in front of you, and that is a Savior that has been born to you. Don't get so caught up in all of it, that you miss the most important thing. And so in our waiting, in this season of Advent, how do we not miss Christmas? If somebody were to ask you today, I'm guessing, are you ready for Christmas? What are the things that are popping into your head? Probably your to-do list, right? Do you have the gifts bought for the kids, for the relatives? Do you have all your parties lined up? Do you have your, your outfit? Do you have all your cooking done? Do you have all your cleaning done? 
My prayer is by the time we get to the end of this message today that if I ask you, are you ready for Christmas? The first thing that will pop into your head is, is my soul at rest? Am I at peace with myself and in my relationship with this God that came and moved heaven and earth to have a relationship with me? Is my soul at rest? Am I learning to wait to anticipate the good news of Jesus coming? Are you ready for Christmas? So how do we do that? I want to present to you four big ideas that are going to help us get ready for Christmas in this season of Advent. And so I want you to hop over actually to the Gospel of Luke in your Bibles. If you want to take out your Bibles or your Bible app on your phone, since we know you have them, since you just liked us on Facebook, now I know you have them. So go to your Bible app to Luke chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles all around the worship center. We encourage you to grab one on your way out today. So Luke chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 29. Jesus comes to his followers, and he comes to us today. And this might be a familiar passage for some of you, but I think it's very relevant for this Advent season. So Luke chapter 12, verse 29. And don't be concerned, Jesus says, about what to eat and what to drink, or I would add in there, or getting everything done and pleasing everyone on Christmas. Don't worry about such things. Verse 30. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. And then let's read verse 31 together here up on the screen. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Don't miss the main thing that is right in front of you that is way more important than Star Wars, the Savior that has been born. And as I was reading through this scripture this week, I was so drawn to a slightly different version, which I like to go to sometimes just for a different context as the message version that was written by Eugene Peterson. Nice take on it. And I want you to imagine this morning that that Jesus, not baby Jesus, but the man Jesus walks in here this morning and he just comes up to you and he puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, take a deep breath and relax for a minute. And he looks you in the eyes and imagine now just a slightly different version of that same verse we just read. Imagine that Jesus looks you in the eyes and says this, What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Jesus says step number one in preparing your heart for Christmas is stop the fuss. Turn to your neighbor right now, look at him with all the love and compassion in the world and say, neighbor, stop your fuss. Tell him that right now. Stop your fuss. Tell him that right now. You've got to stop the fuss. I consulted Mr. Webster in his dictionary on this for the definition of fuss or fussing. There is an, act- there is an actual definition for it, and it is this. An excessive display of anxious attention or activity, needless or useless Bustle. Some of you and your spouses are elbowing each other right now saying, that's you, right? It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, not yours, husband or wife, right? Needless or useless bustle. If you ventured out shopping last weekend on Black Friday or what is it, Purple Thursday? We're running out of colors here, right? Uh, and, And you've seen a lot of fuss. You've seen a lot of needless or useless bustle. People shoving each other, throwing elbows and trampling each other in Christian love in order to secure a $2.99 waffle maker or skinny jeans for the whole family. Whatever it is that you can't live without. There is not a lot of needless or useless bustle. Now, some of you are also saying, like, John, shopping's not really my thing. That's not my struggle during Advent to stay Saying, but there's fuss, you know, fuss can look a lot of different 
ways. Often it's, our, it's the things on the inside, our anxiousness, our hurriedness, our hurried nature, our desire to make it to every party, to every event, to make sure that my marriage looks good in front of my coworkers and my boss. It's easy to try to get wrapped up in meeting the year-end sales at your business or to make your quota, to please your in-laws, even the ones you don't like very much, to obsess over the political drama of the day and just be consumed by that online, to shuttle the kids around and make sure that they get to every event and every activity so that they don't miss anything. And yet we end up missing it ourselves. And we forget, and I want you to hear me say this, that Christmas is maybe more about being present than perfect. Christmas is maybe being about being fully available to the people around you and most importantly, Jesus. Jesus says to you this Advent season, I want you to slow down so you don't miss the point. I want you to slow down so you don't miss the most important thing that's right in front of you. And nobody knows that better than probably two sisters that you've heard a little bit about, and their names are Mary and Martha. So if you have your finger in Luke 12, just flip back to Luke 10. We're going to hang out in Luke 10 for a short story. Luke 10. As it turns out, just before Jesus teaches his disciples about not fussing, they encounter some fussing head-on. I think it's ironic how this is laid out in the Gospel of Luke. So in Luke 10, starting in verse 38, we read this. Jesus' disciples were on their way. They came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to everything that he said. But Martha was fussing. That's what my version says. I don't know what yours says. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You ever been there? No! You, Pastor John, you just don't understand how long my list is. You just don't understand. It's a busy time of year. How am I ever going to get it all done? And that same Jesus looks you in the eyes with compassion this morning insert your name here as he calls you by name and he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Isn't it strange that the baby whose birthday that we spend months planning for and cleaning and baking and organizing and making our list to prepare for is the one that turns to us today and says, few things are actually needed. Indeed, only one. I can't tell you how many people I have heard say, good, well-intentioned, church-going Christian people. And even those outside the church as well, I've heard so many people say, well, we all know it's just a busy time of year and you can't schedule any meetings in December and you probably shouldn't do that party because everybody's just so busy and there's just so much going on and it's just, it's just a, everybody knows December is just a crazy month. This is Christians saying these things. And my response to that is, what if it didn't have to be? What if the, what if the greatest gift that we could offer to a frenzied, fussing culture around us is peace, is stillness, is waiting, is rest. There's a great book that I would highly recommend to you. Shauna Nyquist is 
the author. She's actually the daughter of Bill Hybels, who leads the Willow Creek Leadership Summit, which we've hosted here. But she's a fantastic uh, author and a mom and a blogger and all these things. And she's got a great book that's actually called Present Over Perfect. If you haven't read it, I would highly encourage you to pick it up. And great for your heart this Advent season. And she makes these phrases that I think summarize God's heart for us this Advent season, that we would be present over perfect, that we would seek quality over quantity, that we would seek relationship over rushing, that we would seek people over pressure, and meaning over mania. As you look at that list, which one of those kind of reaches out to you this morning and says, yeah, kind of struggling with that one. Anybody struggle with rushing, (laughs) rushing around? It's been said that Jesus was very, very busy. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a lot on your plate. Jesus was always busy. He had a world to save. But Jesus was never rushed. He always valued relationships over rushing. He was never hurried. If you're trying to follow someone, by very nature, how can you follow somebody if you're going faster than them? (laughs) Jesus is our leader. Being busy is an outward thing. Being hurried is a condition of the soul. Is your soul at rest this Advent? Meaning over mania, relationship over rushing, people over pressure. So please, don't hear me wrong. I got nothing against shopping. Shopping is a great thing for other people, not me. Uh, Do your shopping. That's great. Uh, Go to your parties. Eat, uh, Eat your food. Drink some eggnog, for pity's sakes, and watch some football this Christmas season. But here's my challenge for you. Don't get to December 25th and have missed it. Christmas is about the buildup to it. It's about the waiting and the longing. When you have to wait for something, it makes you anticipate it and get more excited about it even more. Ask kids about their, their presents under the Christmas tree, right? Wait for it. Wait for it and develop a heart that's willing to wait. So how do you prepare for Christmas? Number one, you stop the fuss, but how do you actually do that? What does that look like in real life? We go back to Luke 12. So we're in 10. Go back to Luke 12 to verse 29. Jesus continues on in that message version, and he says, people who don't know God and the way that he works fuss over these things. Everybody say fuss. But we don't need to fuss because we know Jesus. We don't need to stress out and freak out about everything because we know Jesus. And it says, but you know God and how he works. So then he gives us three things. So steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Okay, so first we steep ourselves in God reality. Everybody say reality. And by reality, what he's saying here is the reality that you and I are not living in the kingdom of this world. We are living in the kingdom of God. We are living in a different reality. And so this Christmas season, instead of straining and striving to consume everything that we can, we turn to a kingdom where the king, Jesus himself, says, everything is already yours. Our father is the king, and that makes us heirs. And when you're the heir to the throne, what does that mean? You get everything that's the king's. All the love, all the provision of the kingdom has already been given to us. And so much of this season is about what you and I don't have and what we want. But steeping ourselves in God, God's reality means remembering, this may seem odd to some of you, because we know Jesus, we're the richest people in the universe. We have the riches of God's grace, the most important thing that you could ever receive this Christmas. We have eternal life secured for us no matter what. 
We are the richest people in the world, regardless of what material things that you have. And I, I don't know about you. And this is just me as I feel like the years have gone on and I'm getting a little bit older and we have kids now and birthdays roll around and anniversaries roll around and Christmas rolls around. And again, I'm not the Scrooge here. I love giving gifts and receiving gifts. But I don't know about you, as the years go on and the older I get, doesn't it seem like we just sort of lose our appetite for more and more stuff? I'm seeing some head nods out there. It's fun and it's great for your kids and everything like that, but as adults, doesn't something in your soul even if you were to get a brand new car, like, oh, that'd be fun, or get more stuff, or toys, or things, doesn't something inside of you just go, yeah, but I got that last year, and then it broke, and I got that five years ago, and the thing I got seven or ten years ago is still sitting up in the attic, and I haven't used it. Why? Because it never filled my soul. And so seek God reality, the things that this kingdom can give, and if we have the most the most loving, compassionate, generous king in the universe that's given us everything, then the next step is how can you and I not be the most generous people in the world and give ourselves away? If anything, as Christians, we should not be known for consuming things during the Christmas season and freaking out and all the hustle and bustle and fussing. If anything, we should be known for the people that give the most away. That's why we're doing the Joy to the City Project. And so the next part of this verse that he writes in verse 32 is, steep yourself in God reality, steep yourself in God initiative. Everybody say initiative. initiative. Meaning, I'm going to see what God's doing around me, and I'm going to join that. So instead of my agenda and God, you get on board with that this Christmas season. Here's my to-do list. Here's my agenda. God, what's your heart for me this Christmas? And step number one is to slow down. And after you've done that, then we're able to be still and we're able to actually hear God's voice this Christmas season and ask the question, God, what's on your heart? God, what's your mission? And that's the question that we've been asking this past month during our giving campaign. If you haven't been around, uh, for those of you that have been around, just a quick little reminder, this campaign that we've called Building Hope Together, and we've been continuing to pay down this debt on the current facility for the initial purchase and the build-out of this building. We've been paying down the debt because I've been telling you how God's growing us. Again, those of you that are sitting in the lobby today, I don't need to tell you this. I know you love sitting by the women's restroom, but God bless you. Uh, we're growing. And because of that, we don't never want our physical space to limit God's mission. And so we ask you to give faithfully towards this mission and to not just give financially, but of your time and your talents as well. And we had no other agenda. We didn't say, hey, we have this specific goal in mind. We had no other agenda than simply saying we're going to leave the results up to God. We just asked you to pray about it. And I, I didn't know. I thought, you know, maybe we could at least raise $12 because that's what my son had in his piggy bank at the time, and I was going to take it from him and dump it in there. So we at least had $12, you know, to make sure it wasn't a complete flop. But I will tell you this. It is so evident and clear that you have all caught the vision of what God's heart is for people in this city and what he's doing through this church because I am so excited to tell you today that just in the last two weeks, you have given faithfully $154,133.17. Can we give God praise for that? Absolutely. I am so excited about that. Upfront gifts uh, and pledges as well and the, these commitments uh, over the next year, and I'm so excited about that, and, and to be honest, uh, blown away by your generosity, which means that over the last three years, you as a church have given over $1.4 million. We give God praise for that as well. That is so exciting. Absolutely. And so... 
What's even more exciting than the dollar uh, amount uh, is, is your heart for it, is your commitment for it, and that we're going to be able to move forward, uh, whether that's an addition or expansion or f- future growth, and so stay tuned in the near future uh, for that. But this really gives us clear direction, and it's helpful to know that you're on board with that and you're excited about what God is doing here as well. Every gift matters, and that's why there's 17 cents on the end. Because as our financial team was going through the envelopes, there was a lot of coins. There's a lot of big checks. I have no idea what they were, and I will never know. But they said, John, there's a lot of coins. And that means more to me than anything. Because we said, this isn't about guilt, and this isn't about pressure, it's about your hearts. And what's just as exciting to me as that dollar amount is what you wrote on your cards with your time and your talent. I wanted to share a few of them with you as, as we said that you, we can give in a lot of different ways. One person said, God is calling me, this is ironic today, but God is calling me to give my presence. My presence. I get, they wrote, I get to be here every week, and so I'm not going to miss it no matter what. Has your heart shifted in that? Is it, is it still a got to or is worship a get to? Has your, has, your, has your heart shifted in that or is there still some false motivation in there. Learn from each other. I wouldn't miss it no matter what. Here's one of my favorite ones. I don't have any money. I can't contribute my finances, but I've got a wealth of wisdom of what not to do. (laughs) So they're going to offer that. I've seen God change lives in front of my eyes. Whatever is needed, I'll be there. Many, many, many more like that. You're an incredible incredible church. Yeah, the dollar amount's really exciting, and we're going to be able to do some amazing things and continue to grow this church. But what inspires me more than anything about you is your dedication and your commitment to this church, that you stay. When it's hard and when it's messy and doing ministry in the city is not always clean and it's not always easy and it's not always convenient for your schedules, that's what blows me away more than anything, is that you're willing to stay. You know that it's not about buildings and budgets, it's about people experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for your giving and I'm so thankful for your commitment. And I'm just telling you this, we're just getting started. (laughs) It's about getting on board with God initiative, God's initiative as we read here in Luke 12. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. We talked about that today with the the tree, with our Advent project in the back, which some of you are sitting right next to uh, right now. I, I dare you, I challenge you to go and grab one of those uh, this Advent. Go grab it today. Let's clean off that tree. We've got more envelopes than that. We've, we're sponsoring more families than ever before. A lot of these are families that are hurting, that are struggling, that have lost one of the parents. There are so many families that have been displaced here uh, in this neighborhood, right up the hill here in the Oak Ridge neighborhood from war-torn countries. They are refugees. They literally come here with nothing, and we have the opportunity to show them that Christians are the most generous people in the world, that it's not about getting, it's about Giving, And I would challenge you parents to use this as an opportunity to teach your kids about generosity, to teach your kids about how much they've been given and to challenge them with that. So how do we not miss Advent? We learn to wait well. We don't sit around paralyzed by fear and the darkness around us. We get busy being the church, and that's what you've done this past year. And finally, what does it mean to be ready for Christmas? We steep ourselves in God's provision. I started the message today by asking you, what are you waiting for? And the reality is that you're all waiting for something. 
and it's deeper than the grocery line, (laughs) you're waiting for God's provision, for healing, for a job, for a paycheck, to overcome an addiction, for breakthrough in your marriage, for fresh passion in your relationship with God. And Luke 12 reminds us that God isn't just a king. He's a loving father who wants to give us what we need. Verse 32, Jesus goes on to say, You are my dearest friends. The father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. And I don't know what comes to your mind when I say that God is your father. But since becoming one, I have to tell you this, that all these scriptures about God as father start to make sense. I love my son, and I tell you lots of stories about my son, but I don't tell you about my little girl a lot because I'm a little protective of her. And so this is Evie. She's two, and she's wearing the wrong jersey. (laughs) That mother of hers. And there she is with her cheese ball smile. And I don't know those of you that have boys and girls in your house, but with Caleb, he was all cute and fun at the beginning, but as soon as he turned two, we were roughhousing and wrestling, and I was chucking him on the couch from halfway across the room. I mean, he's fine. He can deal with it, but something about, she's tough. She can take it, by the way. She is strong, just as strong as he is. Something in my dad heart, though, shifted with this little girl to the point where, like, There isn't anything that I wouldn't do for her. If she falls down, if she's riding her scooter out in the driveway and she falls, if Caleb falls down, I'm like, get back up, let's go. If if Evie falls down, I am like there in an instant. I'm like, honey, are you okay? And I'm cleaning it off. And Tiffany has to remind you, like, let her suffer a little bit. It's okay, she's growing up. Just my father heart that wants to do anything for her and will provide for her. And if she ever doubts in her little mind my heart for her, I would be heartbroken. And today, your Father in heaven says the exact same thing to you. And I know, I know that some of you have a really hard time believing that about God's heart. Because some of you have been waiting a long time for something. This has been a really hard year for marriages in our community. I, I know. I've talked to you. Some of you are so longing to be married. Some of you are so longing for healing from something that's been plaguing you for a long time. Some of you just can't beat that ugly habit and sin and addiction that is plaguing your life. And you just, it's easy to grow bitter and anger and wonder if God is going to come through. And that's why we need Advent, because it teaches us to wait without giving up hope. And it's no coincidence today that every candle on the Advent wreath has a name, and the first candle today is called hope. It is the candle of hope. And when the Bible talks about hope, you got to know it's not just wishful thinking. Instead, as we wait, the word used for hope a lot in the scripture is elpis. Everybody say elpis. And what does that mean? A sense of confident expectation based on certainty. When we say, I have great hope that God is going to come through, that God is going to provide, it's not I'm wishing upon a star or when people say, I'm praying for you and sending positive thoughts your way. We have way more to offer than positive thoughts. It's not wishful thinking. It's hope. It's confident expectation of a God that will come through because he already has come through. And it's called Christmas. We have a Savior, a God that came to us. And 2,000 years ago, he answered once and for all, does God care? 
does he know what's going on in your life? And he gave us something way more important than gifts around the tree. He gave us a rescue and a victory over sin and death. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because he's already come through for us. He didn't stay at a distance. He showed up in person. And I wanted to end today by showing you this short clip because it's that time of year where I start to see all these sappy Christian, uh, Christmas commercials on TV and on YouTube and things like that. And I was watching YouTube the other night and I saw this one. It's a Duracell commercial. And because I'm a dad, I, I weep, I cry, I get a little misty-eyed. As you watch this last clip of a father that shows up for his little girl, receive it as a child that's wondering, God, are you gonna show up for me? He always does. He always does. Let's take a look. The ones you trust are always there. She waited and she waited and she waited and he showed up in person. That's the story of Advent. That's the story of a God and the people that he loves. And after centuries of feeling like God was at a distance, he showed up, not on a computer screen, but in flesh so that we could touch him and know that he is real and know that he loves us and cares for us. Don't miss the point of Advent. Don't miss Christmas. Stop the fuss. <laughs> Steep yourself in God reality and God initiative. Get on board with his mission today and in God provision. He came once and he'll come back again. Amen. Let's stand and prepare our hearts for Holy Communion this morning.